And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is the Handbrake Off podcast uh, for The Athletic. The Arsenal podcast, I guess this week, are the writers for The Athletic, Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hello, hello. hello. Now, uh, we are recording this on the afternoon after transfer deadline day and the last minute acquisition of Thomas Partey from Atletico Madrid for the best part of 50 million quid. Before we get into the meat of that story, we'll maybe talk about memorable Arsenal transfer stories. Amy, we'll start with you. Um, I'm just going to head straight for Dennis Bergkamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> uh, it was yes. really great. Uh, I, I, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't take much to get me wistfully nostalgic about Highbury anyway, but uh, being... In a, uh, being called to the home of football in those days, and uh, up the stairs of the through the marble halls and up those beautiful the beautiful staircase past that picture of um, Highbury under floodlights, uh, give Herb uh, uh, Herb's bust a little nod on the way up and um, into the press room upstairs, uh, we, just off the kind of uh, uh, main hallway um, where you had the director's box on one side and. The press sounds was on the other, and uh, it was only a little room. Uh, the big red sort of plastic cannon behind uh, the plinth, and there was Dennis uh, with a, 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 what felt like an army of Arsenal representatives. Everybody wanted to be there. It was, it was snug in this little room, um, and they played "This Is the One" by the Stone Roses over a montage, which was very advanced te- technologically in those days. And I remember Dennis just was like, uh, his his head was sort of half cocked over his shoulder to get a bit of a glimpse of this montage behind him. And David Dean and Ken Fryer and all the board members and just looked absolutely like the cats who had the cream. And uh, big smiles, everyone was grinning like idiots. And um, we couldn't quite believe that Dennis Bergkamp was sat in front of us all and he'd signed for Arsenal. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things you said there. One, I do hope Herbert Chapman's uh, family and friends called him Herb. I think that would be great. I think he he used to be affectionately known as Uncle Herb. Uncle Herb, uh, uh, To Arsenal supporters around that time. (laughs) I think it might have been in the Guna or one of the fanzines had a, a, a segment about Uncle Herb. It does sound like a character in Happy Days, though, doesn't it, really? Let's be fair. Um, but And the other thing to say about that moment, James, before you tell us yours, that was a seminal moment, a, a really a, a club and life-changing moment for us, wasn't it, really? It, it, it was. And I think, you know, when you look at the 1990s and the changes the club went through, the changes in the 
the type of football they play, the image of the club. I think the arrival of Burkamp is in some ways just as significant as the arrival of Arsene Wenger. Um, you know, it's completely transformative. Arsenal were a little bit in the doldrums at that time. Uh, and it was a, a massive, massive signing, a truly world-class player arriving, you know, in a slightly unexpected scenario. Um, can you can you top that? Can you top I, that with yours? I don't know if I can top it, but I mean, the, the, the signing of Sol Campbell in 2001, I think, I, I, I'm recalling that one today, particularly with the noise coming out of Atletico Madrid, suggesting they're not happy with the way Arsenal conducted the business. You know, if we ever left a team unhappy about signing a player, it was surely Tottenham after we pinched Sol Campbell off them. And um, the press conference, as I understand it, a lot of people thought, they assumed it was to announce the signing of, of Richard Wright from Ipswich. I think it was due to arrive at the time. I think there was only four people there. Yeah. Something. It was really, Were you really there, stuff. I wasn't, no, because like, nobody was no. expecting that. Exactly. And then out walks Sol Campbell. And I think when you look at what he went on to achieve... Uh, and the fact that we, I mean, immediately achieved the double in his, in his first season, but the fact that we took him from Tottenham, uh, I think made it all the more satisfying. So that would be my memorable signing. Okay, I don't want to put a downer on the day, because mm-hmm. like I say, we have signed Thomas Partey, but I do remember uh, when Patrick Vieira left the club. Um, and, I, and, and also, by the way, I don't want to name drop, but this is what happened. I was talking to Graham Norton in a field at a music festival and right. Matt Lucas came up and said, Patrick Vieira has left the club. And it was a very weird and surreal moment for me and a very sad moment as well, because I, I, um, I mean, I genuinely think he's one of the best two or three Arsenal players I've ever seen. And um, I loved him being there and there was speculation about him going quite regularly and then he uh, and he stayed and he stayed and then finally scored the penalty for us against Man United and then he was off. And I was genuinely, genuinely gutted. Uh, and um, I don't think we've ever replaced him. But I just wanted to bring mm. that one up. Mm. <laughs> I genuinely don't. Maybe, maybe <laughs> until last night. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Yeah. I mean, I can hear you thinking it. Well, we're all we're all hoping and praying, aren't we? The signing of Emmanuel Petit and Mark Overmars was on the same day, and uh, that was another great little turn up to Highbury and be very excited to see some some new players. And my biggest memory of that is that if you could find some photographic evidence of what Emmanuel Petit was wearing that day, it was kind of a pastel blue sort of suit, but the, his T-shirt was sort of translucent. He had this vaguely see-through T-shirt on underneath, which I'm sure was very fashionable, but everybody was looking at each other a bit with like, see the guy, the the guy with the ponytail and the pastel suit with a see-through T-shirt. It was like, ooh. Well, do you, do you remember? A, he's on midfield kind of player to to to, to 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 the image. Appearances can be deceiving. I was going to say, does anyone remember when Robin van Persie was introduced Ooh, yes. to the Highbury crowd, and he no. w- walked out onto the pitch in a pair of white <laughs> and black sort of striped trousers? Uh, it was a very very bold look, but I guess you know it kind of showed his. Uh, extroverted streak maybe <laughs> but yeah I mean it, 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 I remember that was the talk of Highbury that day they were spectacular trousers they really All are right. it's worth Google if you Google Robin Van Persie trousers I've just done it <laughs> they come up uh, they come up do they okay. you can see why they've stuck in the memory we were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time 
Uh, now, as we have said, uh, this is the uh, Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. For a limited time only, uh, we're offering you the chance to subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month. You can read all of our writing on Arsenal and so much more, including James and David Ornstein's piece on exactly how the club landed Thomas Partey on deadline day. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod to sign up. That's theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod and sign up for just £1 per month. Um, I watched uh, Sky Sports yesterday for, for most of the day as they repeated the news, breaking news of nothing happening. There was a slightly worrying moment, I should say, uh, when um, my missus said there was something happening with Hector Bellerin. And I thought, oh, what, what's going on? But it turned out it was Guendouzi going to Hertha Berlin. And she just misread it, just to let you know. Um, it was also very entertaining for Harry Redknapp saying that Tottenham were going to win the league. OK, just in case anyone wants to watch it back. Uh, but let's talk about Thomas Partey. Um, David Cartledge on uh, on Twitter did a very good thread about uh, Thomas Partey. I know, uh, James, you wrote about him uh, this week. Um, I thought, because I always saw him as a defensive midfielder, but according to that thread and according to what you guys said, he's a lot more than that. Well, I think he has the potential to be, and that's one of the really interesting things about Partey, is that he's coming from a team in Atletico Madrid who play with a really rigid structure. And his role in that is pretty straightforward. He's usually one of two central midfield players. Um, he spends a lot of time in his own half, plays very simple, short passes, uh, not too ambitious on the ball. But one of the reasons I think that he's coming to Arsenal you know, while he wants to bring those qualities undoubtedly, because I think that he feels there is more to offer in his game. And actually, when he plays for Ghana, he's played in quite advanced roles. He's even played sort of off the striker. His goal-scoring record at international level is actually very, very decent. Now, I'm not saying this guy's going to be, you know, box-to-box, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, anything like that. But I think in terms of the range of his passing, his ability to break lines with either a pass or a dribble... I think we might see a more adventurous Thomas Partey at Arsenal than we perhaps have at Atletico Madrid. But by the same token, I think those defensive qualities, those that tactical discipline, you know, a player who's been coached for the past few seasons by Diego Simeone, the level of kind of structural integrity his teams have, we want all that too. So theoretically, I think it's a really exciting signing for Arsenal. I mean, Amy, with these guys who, who we, we think of as, say, holding midfield players, one imagines that they were the best in their class and the best throughout their youth teams and, and were, were sort of number 10s or, or attacking midfielders, whatever you want to call them. But then they got into the professional game and they ended up playing with players who were even better and they settled for a sort of slightly less creative role. So maybe now things are working the other way, like James is saying, and he's coming to Arsenal knowing that we don't have a huge amount of creativity in midfield and go, and he's going, I'll do it. I spoke. Uh, it's funny. I spoke to a friend of mine uh, last night who uh, is a seasoned La Liga watcher, and uh, you know he very much was talking about Partey and saying, you know, there's a lot of aspects to his game that he, you know really could evolve because he's allowed to, and there was mm. that real sense that he hasn't particularly been allowed. Uh, in the the Atletico Madrid system to express uh, different sides of his game. So uh, I think there is an adventure that is afoot for him, quite possibly. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that relationship evolves with Arteta. I'm sure Arteta's got very clear ideas about 
what he wants them to do. But that box-to-box line is one that came up a lot more than the defensive midfield player line. So um, there's there's what's interesting as well is how what he can do rubs off on those around him. And I think having a player with his qualities in the heart of the team has a knock-on effect both to the defence behind him, very, very importantly to the midfielders he'll be, be playing alongside. It, I think it's conceivable that Arsenal will see the best of Granit Xhaka ever with a guy like Thomas Parker yes. alongside him rather than the uh, uh, other types of players that he's been paired with in more recent seasons. Um it could be, you know, could allow Danny Sabayas to play slightly differently. Uh, certainly, the the attacking players I think will benefit from having uh, Thomas Partey uh, uh, around him. And I, just more generally, I always think that the great sides uh, need a spine, need a, uh, those spinal players to be uh, really impressive and have a lot of presence and charisma and aura, quite apart from what they can do on the pitch. And I'm quietly excited about the developing spine because um, Gabriel already seems to be slotting in and showing potential to be uh, a quite charismatic defender who who is important with his presence as much as what he can do on, uh, you know, with the ball or trying to, to win the ball. Partey is clearly going to bring a different kind of presence to midfield. And Aubameyang that we saw playing centre-forward uh, the other day yes. briefly is a different kind of presence to your spine, to the alternatives. So there's just interesting uh, capacity to watch this space on that regard and see how it helps the team to develop. James, I've got a statement. I've got a, a, a sentence written down here saying this is a statement of intent. I mean, is it uh, is it that big a signing? Because I do remember when we signed Mesut Ozil or Alexis Sanchez and then Mesut Ozil and everyone went, here we go. But... This seems, in a sense, a more thought-through and pragmatic signing, perhaps. Yeah, it's a signing Arsenal, I think, definitely need. If you look at the midfielders that we have and the gaps in that squad, I think it's you know you can make a very good case. Arsenal also needed a creative midfielder in this window, and ultimately it just wasn't possible to do both. But in terms of it being a statement and a big signing, you look at the figures involved... It's a really big signing. I mean, to pay that clause, to get that player out of that athletic contract, you have to pay it up front. It's not a case of, you know, 50 million euros over five years. You've got to go and make the deposit. And to put down that amount of money in one go on a player for Arsenal, you know, it's it's huge. And the salary, when you add it on top of that, it's probably double the value. So... It's a big statement and a big declaration of support, I think, in Arteta. I think the early, the good start that Arsenal have made in the early part of this season probably helped convince the ownership and the executives that this was the right decision. They're looking to build on the momentum Arteta's quickly established. And I think, you know, while we don't know yet quite how good party will be, and there's a lot that remains to be seen about Gabriel, I think Amy's absolutely right. The spine of the team has two players added to it that are, you know, they they appear tactically intelligent, they appear physically domineering. They're exactly what Arsenal have been crying out for in some respects. So on paper, it does look like really, really positive business. So should we stop moaning about the board then, Amy? Uh, I'm not sure what more that they could have done in, uh, in in this summer in many ways. I mean, in this window, it would be yeah. nice to, to just 
go oligarch all of a sudden, and but that's not very realistic. <laughs> no. Um, I think what they have done in they've done two things directly that have been a huge backup and assistance to the progression of this team. And James is totally right that they're doing this because they believe in Arteta. And I think there's a a really important thing going on here where Arteta is creating such a, a an interesting reputation for himself very very fast that it's realistic to imagine that he will have suitors in the not too distant future um if you are man city and pep guardiola calls it a day in the next year or so which is not impossible it, is it let's it, be fair you know it would be an obvious phone call if ronald Koeman is not working out for barcelona it would be an obvious phone call um there are some fairly massive clubs out there with um big reputations big money um big prospects and you know if arsenal want to uh, advance as quickly as arteta is advancing that they need to show him that kind of ambition i think and they, they have need to feel that kind of connection if you think about it we, we don't like to talk about the neighbors too often but someone like pochettino could have left tottenham for bigger and better things probably quite a few occasions but he felt connected to what was going on there so he stuck around and Arsenal need to have that same thing going on with Arteta where actually the fact that Arsenal are pulling out all the stops to back him as much as they can realistically you know this is a horrendously depressed market and Arsenal are suffering so much financially with the lack of fans more than any other club in the Premier League probably more than a lot of clubs in Europe to have that percentage of their um, finances chopped off in terms of, you know, the, the, the ticket sales is such a substantial part of Arsenal's um, resources compared to a lot of other clubs. It, I think it would be nice if actually some of the people who have been very critical about the Cronkies and campaigned against them took a moment to say, OK, in, a, in Arsenal, in a time of need, They've unlocked some resources by uh, refinancing the stadium debt and the cash reserves are are therefore freed up and they've maybe put their hands in their pockets a little bit to to help this deal for Thomas Partey over the line because Arsenal just didn't have 15 million quid uh, to, to pay up front for anybody. So that money has appeared from somewhere and I think they've maybe been asked and they've maybe stepped up to the plate, which is not a standard thing to do in US sports ownership. So they've gone outside their comfort zone in that case. Um, and perhaps even the critics have to, you have to uh, speak as you find. And there were moments when criticism has been very justified, but this is definitely a, a moment where perhaps you have to take your hat off and say thank you and well done. What Amy was saying about uh, about Granite Xhaka, we may well see the best of him now because he's got someone to do that sort of dirty work next to him. Yeah, that's very possible. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting to see. You know, Shaka had an interesting sort of final week just before the international break in that, you know, in the, in the Liverpool game in the Premier League, he was brought off, which is incredibly rare. And then the third game against Sheffield United, albeit that he played two games earlier in the week, he wasn't used. He didn't start. He did come on. And it'll be fascinating to see if that's indicative of any kind of diminishing in his role. Because he... For his, he... James, sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but he was the one who created our goal 
against Liverpool in the league game as well. Yeah. I mean, he didn't. I mean, great listen, pass. we were stifled in that game by an outstanding Liverpool performance, and we talked about that on the pod last week. But that was the one time when we broke the lines, and it was that pass that did it from Granite Xhaka. Well, and, and the reason that his substitution and missing out on the Sheffield United game stood out is because that never happens. And whether it's been Arsene Wenger or Unai Emery or Mikel Arteta as Arsenal manager, Granit Xhaka has been one of the first names on the team sheet. And I, I think you'd have to be, I'd be, I would not place a bet that Thomas Partey is here to inherit Shaka's place in the team. I think that there's, as Amy alluded to, I think there's a real possibility they'll be playing together uh, at the base of this Arsenal midfield. And the thing is, you know, I really like Danny Ceballos as well. I really love what he can bring. But we have to remember, and I have to remind myself, because he, he's been here what feels like so long now, but he's not an Arsenal player. No. He doesn't belong to us. And, um, you know, there's no guarantee that we'll be able to sign him permanently. So... To have party as a building block for the next, you know, three or four years that we're definitely going to have in the heart of our midfield is great. So, Amy, out of ten, the transfer window, what would you give Arsenal? Um, eight. Put me on the spot there. Uh, I think the Willie. I think the Willian deal was a, 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 a. You know, you can't complain about bringing in a player of proven Premier League quality like that. Um, and I think he will add something offensively. Uh, Gabrielle already commented, just uh, looks really made of the right stuff. And Partey is very, very exciting. So that's that's uh, helping now on the defensive side, the midfield side and the attacking side uh, with quality players. Um, the only probably downside is that, like in, in real high-end creativity that obviously the hour uh, pursuit was interesting and that nothing came of that um however i think there can be improvisation there and see where it gets arsenal but also the inability to move players on and and generate money from that was a was a shame i'm sure they were hoping and that might have been the difference between getting another player in or not that had they perhaps generated out of three or four sales a kind of cumulative bigger pot for another player, um, that would have been great, but they could only do what they could do. And clearly this has been a horrific market for, for trying to sell or even loan or get loan fees for players. Quite. I, I mean, James, that that is, it's still an unbalanced squad, isn't it? But we have we not been um, slightly hamstrung by our poor um, transfer work in the past two, three seasons? Is that what's going on here now? I, I think there's a degree to which Arsenal are kind of paying for the sins of the past. They've got players on quite lucrative contracts that it's not easy to find takers for. But Arsenal are not alone in that, you know, and I think we have to say that other teams like Chelsea have really struggled to offload fringe players. And who knows what more business Arsenal might have been able to do if they'd been able to move on some of those high, high earners that, you know, aren't necessarily required by Arteta at the moment. Um, Might have been an even more impressive transfer window. But, you know, I think... In general, Arsenal should be really satisfied with the work they've done. They've improved the spine of the team. Uh, and I also think, I know Bukayo Saka's contract was extended just before the window, but keeping Aubameyang and getting him under a new deal, although it's not a new signing, I think was still a, a big achievement and a big step forward for Arteta and his team. So I think it, it's very satisfactory work in very, very trying circumstances. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Then we played a little bit with a handbrake. I want to mention briefly this story about Gunnosaurus, who's our mascot for, I believe, worked for the club for 27 years. And he was let go. He's a matchday mascot. Now, the optics don't look particularly good. We've had discussions like this before when we let 55 go uh, a few months ago. Um, we sp- and also we spend millions, I mean, 50 million euros on, on a player, including, by the way, two and a half million pounds directly to Thomas Partey, uh, is what I read this morning. Uh, it doesn't look particularly good when we let a long-standing employee go. Uh, Amy, I mean, the club... They've done this a couple of times now, and I know there were a few jokey memes going around, and and uh, uh, and there was one about Atletico Madrid getting Gunnosaurus on a free or something like that. This is a guy who's lost his job, and the club can maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe be a bit more uh, sensitive to the situation, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, this is a, 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 it's not nice in whichever way you want to put it out. I mean, I think there. Some of the, like, is, as is the case often with social media and things kind of exploding and people drawing conclusions, this is not uh, quite everything that it seems in that um, Jerry, who is a great guy who's been at the club for ages and these are the people that you need inside a football club. Um, yes. Uh, wasn't that far away from retirement age and I think was probably due to call it a day within the next year or two anyway. So I think there's a slight sense of, a, of an early retirement situation when some of these... Um, um, cost-cutting measures have been going on that that's been on offer to certain members of staff who've been there a long time uh, so I don't think it's quite as brutal as like Gunnosaurus has been sacked um, however you, you know he, he I think probably would have just done it for nothing anyway he loves he's great at that role <laughs> he's tailor-made for it um, and I think has made a lot of people happy over the years. So if there isn't a solution, it's possible there might still be a resolution. I hope so, because I hope that Jerry can carry on doing that uh, for a while. Obviously, it's important to make the note that Garnosaurus as a icon is not dead. The uh, you know the, the <laughs> mascot extinct. lives on. It's it's extinct, it's, it's the human inside <laughs> it that uh, is the question. Um, yeah. You know, I think James probably he's the expert on the Garnosaurus story, so he might be able to to reveal a bit yeah. more about the, the, the thinking James? behind it. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, Gunnosaurus is... So, to be clear, Gunnosaurus the dinosaur, the, the suit, effectively, sorry for any young children listening, uh, will absolutely <laughs> return. Um, and, you know, Gunnosaurus has on occasion been portrayed by other people, particularly on international tours. What? Or something as if there's been... Yeah, I know, it's hard to hear. Um, <laughs> but it... <laughs> You know, nevertheless, Jerry is the man who's really synonymous with the character and who's portrayed it, you know, and and worked really hard to sort of keep that anonymous and not take credit for it and honestly just done it for the love of it. And it's a role that, you know, I think brings him a lot of happiness and that he's brought a lot of happiness to other people. Gunnosaurus will be back. Um, I'd love to think Jerry will be back because he's incredibly popular. You know, you saw outpourings of 
affection from players and staff alike and fans. There's a crowdfunding campaign started up to help him yeah. out. Well, I think the, the, the issue is that Arsenal are going through this period of you know trying to be efficient in all departments and with no crowd, no fans, no junior gunners in stadiums, you know, it was felt that at this time they couldn't keep uh, Jerry on payroll. And uh, that was the decision that they made. But I, I'd like to think that, you know, there might be a reprieve there. I mean, that would be fantastic. But we'll see Gunasaurus back. And if we don't see Jerry back, like Amy says, he's been contributing to the club for a really, really long time. You know, at some point, these things have to come to an end. But uh, I think the other thing to remember is that the club don't control when this information comes to light. And, you know, it's not as if the club put it out on transfer deadline day deliberately. The optics are unfortunate from the club's point of view. And, uh, you know, I I do actually have a degree of sympathy with them, even in in our position as journalists in that situation. Yeah, I just, I think what Amy said is right, though. What you both said, in fact, that the club needs people like this who who are around, around the club and who know everyone and everyone knows them. And I think we have to look after... Uh, people like that. One thing I didn't mention, by the way, we were talking about Thomas Partey. He's taking the number 18. Mm. Um, I have a list. Tayo, our producer, sent me a list of some of the uh, uh, <laughs> players who've uh, played in that role. Nacho Monreal did pretty well. Not popular with all of our friends, but uh, certainly did pretty well and had five decent seasons, scored a goal in the cup final. Um, some of the others, though, Sebastian Squillace, Mikel Silvestra, Pascal Seagun, I mean, it's he hasn't got a lot to live up to. That's the point I'm making, Amy. Yeah, um, I don't know what to say, Stony. Um, <laughs> I mean, it depends how superstitious you are about numbers. I'm and not. Things I'm like not that. at all. I'm not at all. Are you? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I don't know if it's enough to make me panic. <laughs> uh, but. Hmm. Hey, it could turn into a Gilles Grimondi. Hey, we might I, get I lucky. suspect. I suspect that uh, that it's possible that in uh, a few months' time, uh, when Socrates' contract comes to an end, I imagine it won't be renewed, and the, and, and Partey's favoured number five shirt is up for grabs. He might be uh, making a bid for that. James, do you have anything to add to the number eighteen debate? <laughs> no, I think. I mean, look, Nacho Monreal was was largely excellent, wasn't he? So yes, I think we can hope that he broke the curse, as it were. <laughs> Football fans are ridiculous, aren't they? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Uh, this is the uh, handbrake of the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Ian Stone here with James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence. On the day, on the day or the day after, we spent €50 million Euros in the transfer market to add to some more money we spent earlier. So um, things are looking up. Uh, and James, you did a piece. Um, and it, um, it was a piece with David Ornstein about Thomas Partey. Mm. But the... Uh, about the the way that Arteta is building things generally. The the sentence that stood out for me, uh, Arteta deserves enormous credit for laying solid foundations in this team. Now is the time to consider the frescoes and decorative flourishes. I mean, I must say I just love that sentence anyway. It doesn't really matter. But basically, we are more solid now than we have been for quite some time. We are. And the second half of that sentence is right. You know, Arsenal... I think have developed a really good strategy for games where they're sort of on the defensive and they need to break out on the counter-attack. But what was really encouraging to me about the Sheffield United game is that was a very tight, very structured match in which Arsenal needed to break down a really dogged, disciplined opponent. And they found a way to do it. And I felt that the introduction of Nicola Pepe was key to that. Getting Bukayo Saka on the ball in central areas was, was key to that. And, you know, now that we haven't got Hussein Moir, now that we haven't signed a new creative midfielder, I really do think that those two players in particular um, have some of the creative potential we're going to need in fixtures like that because we'll face plenty of them this season. Amy, do you think that's the future, really, that maybe it'll be Pepe and Saka and Willian and Aubameyang up top down the middle? I think there'll be lots of variety. Uh, there's too many games. There, we're still in this post-COVID situation where the there's, the season is compressed. There's, I mean, can't believe we're going to play, about to play three internationals. It's mind-boggling. It's nonsense. Um, it's nonsense. But anyway, that's another podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but there is, a, you know, the, 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 the players have played a lot of football in a short space of time in a, a project restart and then had barely any break and started again. And this goes on and on until um, a Euro for quite a lot of these players. And it's very intense. So I just think that uh, pretty much all the resources at Arteta's disposal are going to be needed. Um, whether he falls upon a preferred formation or preferred players or systems and that that changes we'll just have to wait and see but you know he's a smart guy and he would have noticed that he looked so happy at the end of the Sheffield United game yeah. I think that's partly a case of like something wasn't working I made a change and it really worked um, so there's a lot for him to to play around with there and I, I, I do agree that particularly for Saka um, I think had OR come in uh, I wonder how much that would have maybe limited his game time a little bit and it's a, it just adds to the opportunity for this really phenomenal young talent so that's good looking on the it, positive it, it, Hey, I'm all about the positives as you, as you know <laughs> I mean James, adaptability uh, what Amy was saying there, adaptability is the key, particularly in the Premier League now and, and it is encouraging uh, to see the way that, that Mikel Arteta is working it out through the games. Yeah, and who can blame him really for coming into this Arsenal team and immediately just trying to make them solid, you know, trying to bring some stability. I think that was absolutely the right decision after he took over from Unai Emery. What we've got a little bit is these games that are quite tight, quite low on attempts on goal, usually from both sides at least. But I think if Arsenal want to win more matches, turn more draws into three points 
they need to find a way to be creating more opportunities in games. And yeah, the second half against Sheffield United was a, a step forward in that regard. And um, Amy, just briefly, because I know you did the chat on um, uh, on the Athletic site after the Sheffield United game. Um, a fair few comments about four three three. That that would probably be Mikel Arteta's preferred um, formation, would it not? I don't know. I mean, that's another aspect of the party uh, uh, rival that's interesting. I think he brings options. There, are, he brings a something extra to the team that allows. Uh, Arteta to pick some different formations. I, I, I'm always a little bit anxious sometimes about, um, you know, a midfield two, a pair sometimes, or, or if you're playing a back four, um, whether there's enough there to sort of survive some difficult matches. But bringing in that kind of player, I think, adds ballast in, in those departments and means that I think he can try different things. So I'm quite excited to see what what he's going to do just on the subject of party one of the things that I didn't mention earlier but sort of can't uh, resist throwing in there is can you imagine Arsenal finding that 50 million quid to shell out up front for Unai Emery <laughs> I mean it's no. just it, that no. tells you a lot doesn't it no um, I think there's things going on where the club feels like it wants to act differently a lot of it is down to the manager it's amazing, it is really it and is. the other thing that's interesting is, can you imagine if Chelsea had not put such a high figure on Jorginho? Just think about that for a minute. If Jorginho had been a more cut price option, do you think Arsenal would have gone that extra mile? Probably not. Probably not. So. Mm. And, and in a way, you could argue Chelsea might have done Arsenal a favour there. I don't know. Sometimes Because how would you good. feel today if Arsenal had signed Jorginho last night instead of Thomas Partey? Well, well, instead of, not particularly good, but I remember Jorginho coming on against Arsenal in a game, I think it was Mikel Arteta's first game at home, and and changing the game completely. So he can do that. But no, listen, we've we bought a really good centre-half, it looks like, and a, and, and a player, and a proven 27-year-old peak-of-his-career player um, who's been playing, as you said, James, under Diego Simeone uh, for the last four or five years and all the tactical discipline that that involves. So, um, yeah. no, I'm feeling, um, like last week, feeling quite positive. Um, let's have a song. Uh, Amy, I mean, I think there's only one, but Amy, <laughs> have you got a song for us? Uh, um, yeah, several. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought you might well, I just thought we couldn't let this week pass without... James and I were both pretty sure about which song was going to be the song for this week uh, when Ainsley Maitland Niles took that penalty and that was going to be Hey Ya by Outcast. What's cool? What's cool than being cool? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, just a quick nod for Garnosaurus. I thought I might have mentioned this before. I don't know, but uh, there might be giants. I am a paleontologist. Mm-hmm. Um, Niche, but I like yeah. it. Uh, but the the oh, the, the, the uh, basically all day, like probably a lot of people, Beastie Boys was rocking around inside my head uh, yesterday. good earworm to have um and i i did make the comment on twitter please can we start the campaign 
for uh, fight for your right to party to become the new Sweet Caroline. And amongst the many responses, somebody responded to me and said, respect Neil Diamond, please. <laughs> it wasn't me, by the way, but I would have... That's fair enough. James, can but, you top that, by the way, the Beastie Boys? I don't know if I can top it, but I've got to give a shout-out to an artist, Daneo, who has a song called Party Hard. It was like a big sort of Afrobeat track a few years ago. And he put out a tweet last night. He's half Ghanaian and he lived in Ghana at one time. And he put out, put out a tweet saying, if uh, this tweet gets enough retweets and Thomas Party signs for Arsenal, I will record a, a Thomas Party remix of Party Hard. And he has done that and put it up on social media today. So if I had to pick a track, I'd have to go for that. It's a good track too. Um, uh, Tayo has just sent me a message saying Eddie Murphy party all the time okay which is uh, yeah okay we can go with that I can't by the way I'm a little bit worried about the sort of personality cult that seems to be happening here from a player we haven't really we haven't watched that much over the last few years but fingers crossed uh, I can't compete with you two I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the Beastie Boys myself uh, this that's it we're done uh, a new dawn with a, with a new spine, I'm feeling quite good. I think we all are. Thank you to Amy. Thank you to James. Uh, also, thank you to Tayo for looking after us. Uh, this has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast for The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone. Have a good day. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.